It is the WMAY Morning News Feed and continuing our cleanup of what happened Wednesday for the one-day session at the Illinois General Assembly. I'm Greg Bishop at 7-Eleven now. It's one degree out there. Feels like 14 below. Is going to warm up a bit tomorrow, but uh, welcome back. It is the WMAY Morning News Feed. So uh, going into session on Wednesday, uh, of course, we had the... Um, uh, fire alarm to start things off and uh, was hoping that that wasn't going to be uh, an indicator of what uh, to expect for this year's spring session. But uh, after that, it took them four or five hours to even start beyond what they were scheduled to do and bring in all kinds of different things that uh, some people weren't necessarily anticipating, like the uh, uh, the new uh, sub-circuits uh, judicial maps. Uh, there were some other things that passed. They did bring up uh, allowing for continued remote uh, action uh, during the COVID-19 pandemic. So the House, for instance, they approved new rules that uh, continues the rules they approved last year to allow for lawmakers to take part in remote voting. Uh, so that happened. Uh, again, as I mentioned, you had the judicial sub-circuits, which were ultimately passed out of both chambers. Uh, with uh, last-minute hearings announced and multiple amendments to that before ultimately it passed both chambers. Um, but you have uh, some other things that were also brought up. Uh, another issue was uh, election law fixes, um, what some characterized as just minor fixes to a recent election bill uh, that are impacting this coming election, both the June primary and the November midterm elections. Uh, you had uh, somewhat of a cleanup legislation that was brought forward and ultimately approved. And uh, Republicans stood up and opposed some of this, saying that uh, these were uh, fixes that uh, that uh, are trying to cover the the failures of passing good legislation that covered all the uh, the bases. Uh, so you had Republicans get up and uh, criticize this this cleanup bill, saying it was Democrats that passed sloppy election law that they're coming back to have to um, to to clean up. Uh, so you you have this criticism at the state house of majority Democrats going it alone uh, and not having Republicans as part of some of this, where Republicans say if they were included, they could help hash this out and actually get some uh, clean legislation without the need for having to come back with trailer bill after trailer bill after trailer bill uh, to clean things up as the laws are being implemented. And I think, listen, you know, you've got this dynamic, uh, and it's it's a dynamic that I think both parties exude regardless of uh, which state. It has more to do with who's in power. So, yes, Democrats have the supermajority in Illinois. They discard a lot of what Republicans have to say and just go it alone with their own policies. In states where Republicans are in control, they behave in the same fashion, where if the Republicans are in control and the Democrats are the minority, then the Republicans uh, will disregard anything that the uh, the Democrats have to say, and there's very little effort to deal with bipartisan legislation. Now, a little bit later on this hour, we are going to talk with State Representative Tony McCombie about a bipartisan bill that uh, is coming forward, uh, and it deals with increasing penalties on uh, those who commit violent acts against social workers. And uh, that's legislation that, again, enhances penalties, something that's been a bit taboo at the state house, uh, with the Democrats not willing to enhance penalties uh, for criminal conduct, or at least, uh, you know, not really uh, giving any attention to that, while Republicans for years have been looking for penalty enhancements in particular when it comes to um, uh, how to uh, uh, properly punish those who, who commit violence against social workers. 
Uh, so we do see that bill coming forward. We'll talk with uh, State Representative Tony McCombie about that a bit uh, coming up here uh, later on this hour. So stay tuned for that. Uh, but a Democrat-supported measure that allows for suspects of criminal uh, cases to, to make unsupervised phone calls upon uh, detention it's got Republicans issuing warnings. So a measure poised for Governor J.B. Pritzker's desk passed its final hurdle Wednesday. It's got critics warning that uh, there's going to be unintended consequences. House Bill 3512 passed the Senate back in October when lawmakers were in session. The House took up the Senate's amendments in their one-day session on Wednesday. Now, State Representative Justin Slaughter brought this measure forward. Uh, he said that it really was necessary to clean up various aspects of sweeping criminal justice and police reform laws that went into effect January 1st. And if you recall, that measure, known as the Safety Act, I believe, it passed in the early morning hours of January 2021, just as that legislature was wrapping up. I believe that was the 101st legislature was wrapping up. They got this bill through with Democrat support. Police were opposing it. There were all kinds of questions about how it was going to be implemented. They've passed subsequent cleanup legislation after cleanup legislation after cleanup legislation, including what passed on Wednesday after it passed the Senate. Now it's up to the House. They passed it. Uh, and uh, Justin Slaughter, uh, the Democrat who um, uh, is, is advancing this, uh, he laid out some of the uh, the aspects of the bill uh, that uh, that ultimately um, drew some uh, some concerns uh, from from the likes of House Minority Leader Jim Durkin. So those are the two voices you're going to hear here: uh, State Representative Justin Slaughter and uh, House Minority Leader Jim Durkin. And let's go here on WMAY. All right, let's do it. As of January 1st, detainees must be given three phone calls within three hours of being detained. This bill outlines an agreed-upon enforcement mechanism that deems statements inadmissible when this statute is violated, but equally important, provides an avenue for prosecutors to overcome these inadmissible statements. The proposed changes in the Safety Act to both our mandatory supervised release system and our new police decertification system are moved to July 1 of this year. This bill also clarifies automatic decertification elements and provides a host of technical language changes. That you're going to give, because a place of detention is, a local, is the, local, uh, the, the local district, and the local district is going, which is a place of detention, and then the local district are going to get transferred to the jail. That's another place of detention. So you got six phone calls right off the bat. How do the police I'm, officers going to know whether or not they're making a call to a family member? Since they are not allowed under your bill to eavesdrop, nor to, uh, uh, it must not be monitored, eavesdropped, or recorded. How are these guys going to know who the heck they're talking to? We're trusting their experience no, to be able to do no, this. No, 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 you've, you've, you've created another mess, like you did with 3653. You've created another mess. It's going to be allowed to call back to that other family, back to the family or that child, and say, do not press charges against me. You've opened up, and opened up a very bad situation when it comes to issues of domestic violence and also sexual assault against family members. And what you're describing is felony tampering of a witness leader. Is what? Felony tampering of a witness. It doesn't make a difference. You're still allowing that phone call to be made. Sure, they can get charged down the line, but the fact is the call's gonna be made and they're gonna scare the hell out of that victim who's been the subject of abuse by that family member. 
people understand what we're getting into and what we are opening up. All right, so again, that's um, House Minority Leader Jim Durkin uh, questioning uh, Democratic State Representative Justin Slaughter about a measure that passed the House on Wednesday and is now poised for the governor's desk. So the measure does a whole bunch of things, but one of those is, of course, allowing for three unsupervised calls. Could be even more. Uh, Durkin laid out how it could be up to six unsupervised calls or possibly even up to nine unsupervised calls if you count a place of detention as a uh, the back of a squad car, for instance. Uh, so some interesting uh, debate there. But one thing that they did not, actually a couple of things that the legislature did not attend to, uh, one, dealing with the $4.5 billion of unemployment debt. How to deal with that because it's costing taxpayers tens of millions of dollars, could cost $100-plus million if it's not dealt with, not to mention that it's increasing the cost of unemployment taxes on employers or li- likely going to decrease the amount of benefits uh, for the unemployed. So they didn't deal with that. That was not a priority. Also not a priority, apparently, is finding a replacement for the Legislative Inspector General's office, which is an office that um, needs to be there so that there can be uh, complaints uh, filed uh, against lawmakers for wrongdoing. And this was an issue that uh, lawmakers knew about more than six months ago. Uh, So no one's there now to field the complaints after lawmakers in Springfield uh, left the Legislative Inspector General's office vacant once again. Now, despite knowing for months the office of the Legislative Inspector General would be vacant, state lawmakers failed to advance a replacement when they were in session for that one day this week. Uh, This was the second time now the office has been vacant after a multi-year vacancy was revealed back in 2017 at the height of the Me Too movement, if you recall. Now, fingers are pointing across the political aisle for why there's not a replacement for Carol Pope. Pope announced more than six months ago she was leaving the post because lawmakers have constrained the office from being able to independently investigate claims against lawmakers and their staff. Now, an independent search committee was appointed by legislative leaders, and they had several candidates that they brought forward to replace Pope, but the candidates have not advanced out of the Legislative Ethics Commission. That's the bipartisan group of lawmakers and former lawmakers that oversees the Legislative Inspector General's office. Now, Pope's original departure date was December 15th of 2021, but lawmakers failed to address getting a replacement in the veto session, so she agreed to stay on until yesterday. That was her last day. However, lawmakers, they were only in session Wednesday, and they did not advance anything. Now, State Senator Jill Tracy, she chairs the Legislative Ethics Commission. She's a Republican on that bipartisan panel. And uh, she said that majority Democrats have stifled the process of finding a replacement so that they can actually get those complaints filed. Here we are without an inspector general. And even more troubling is President Harmon announced that we don't even know when the General Assembly or the Senate is going to reconvene. That was something that uh, Senate President Don Harmon announced at the tail end of session Wednesday, and the House isn't coming back next week either. It's unclear if they'll be back at all this month. We'll keep an eye on that. But I did reach out to Democrats, including uh, State Senator Christina Castro, who's on the Legislative Ethics Commission, and she said it was Republicans who blocked votes on potential candidates. Uh, She said if if not for those actions, we could have a new inspector general in place. Now, uh, Senator Tracy said that that's just not true. It was Democrats who uh, blocked. Uh, they, you know, they want to just overlook a public advisory group's recommendation that's in place to be the impartial eyes 
of the public. But I also got a statement from uh, Democratic State Representative Kelly Burke, who said Democrats have sought to advance two candidates for their final selection, both of whom have been deemed qualified by the search committee and the LEC. Republicans have blocked that effort, she said, insisting that uh, only advancing their preferred candidate. Now, it's right now just he said, she said, because the internal conversations of the Legislative Ethics Commission are privileged. Now, Tracy, she wants to open that up and actually allow for minutes to be released so that we don't get into this he said, she said situation. Now, all previous legislative inspectors general, they've said that the office doesn't have teeth. Carol Pope called it a paper tiger before she resigned. And uh, there have been several efforts to try to give more independence to the legislative inspector general's office. But the measures have not advanced. And it's not just complaints against lawmakers that the legislative inspector general could field last year. There were 47 complaints filed. Six investigations were initiated. Seven were concluded. Four, and this is what's, uh, I think, uh, compounding the issue here. It's not just the complaints that the legislative inspector general gets. It's also the complaints that the legislative inspector general gets that she or he will then act as like a traffic cop and determine if it's got to go to another investigative agency. Now, looking at the cumulative numbers just for 2022, four complaints were referred to law enforcement agencies and nine complaints were refer- referred to another investigation uh, organization, like a different type of inspector general, for instance. Now, with no inspector general at the legislature, those complaints won't be investigated. And Senator Tracy said that there was at least one complaint that was filed late December that likely is not going to go anywhere. Uh, so we shall see what happens. Uh, but as of right now, again, state uh, legislature does not have a watchdog. Are you surprised? 725 now on the W.